we finished Ephesians last week, and so we're studying a new, starting a new book, Galatians. So if you turn to Galatians chapter one, my favorite verse of all time since the age of 18, 16, comes from Galatians. It's one of the first uh, memory verses outside of being a child that I memorized. Um, Galatians 2.24, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That has been like my favorite anthem all time. Um, so let's start off from verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through human agency, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Verse 6. I am amazed. If you have a pen or a, something, you should highlight that. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account. But there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not a human invention. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when he who had set me apart, even from the, my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. <clears throat> then three years later I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for fifteen days. But I did not see another one of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which are in Christ. But they only kept hearing, the man who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Galatians. Uh, we did Ephesians last week. We finished it. It was six chapters. I believe Galatians is also another five chapters. Uh, I'm here another two Wednesdays after today, and then I'll be gone for three months. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so, so uh, just grateful for this opportunity to be able to have EMP before, before I think out. Um, Paul mentions in verse one, 
that he's an apostle. So the very opening statement, he's an apostle. Uh, he reminds them, which is uh, not common in his greetings. So Paul has written uh, majority of the letters in the New Testament. Um, in human form or in human history, because they don't understand Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God. In human history, some would say Paul is more influential than Jesus in the sense that his writings, the impact that his writings have had, uh, the recordings of the story of Jesus through the New Testament, you know, the impact that his teachings have had on the church and then, and then as a result. Um, but obviously those are two historians and people who don't acknowledge Jesus as God. Uh, I mean, there's nothing outside of Christ. Uh, and so he mentions he's an apostle, and then he highlights that he's not sent from any human agency. So what's a human agency? What's a human agency? A human agency is like, you know, a group of people, uh, an association, uh, a union, uh, you know, like in the United States, uh, I'm sure they have it here too, but to, to secure certain rights and benefits, you know, uh, uh, all the employees or, or all uh, uh, the people in a certain industry, let's say like a truck driving industry, you know, uh, uh, dangerous, long hours, time away from family, you know, they need, certain, they need certain benefits, right? And so people will come together, people will form, you know, strengthen numbers, and then they'll have a representative to communicate to authorities or governments on their behalf. Right? So that they can secure or have some validity. Uh, and Paul is basically saying, I'm not part of any organization. I'm not part of any uh, network. I'm not part of any denomination. You know? Uh, and it's interesting that he says this. So Paul has a pretty standard introduction. If you look at all the letters, he has a pretty standard introduction. Paul, bondservant, only by the grace of God. And then he'll usually go and, and talk to a community like, Oh, say hello to these people. These people send their greetings. You know, I think of you all the time. I'm praying for you. I love you. All these wonderful things, right? Galatians is very unique. He actually cuts out a lot of these introductions. The pleasantries. You know, that's, that's traditional. And even to himself, his own writing style. And he goes straight into verse 6. And I remember my, my seminary professor like sharing with us how we should be shocked when we actually read this letter. And he goes right into it. He goes straight into, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, not by any man's attributes, God sent me. And then verse 6, he goes straight into a rebuke, which is very, uh, uh, I mean, in all his letters, there'll be an area of rebuke and correction. But in this particular one, the opening statement within the first, you know, three or four sentences, he goes straight into, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called by the grace. And so he's very much calling people out. What's going on here if you read this? If you read this, there are a couple things going on here. Um, people are talking about him. People are talking about him. Why? How do you know this? Because later in the verse, it says, For am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant. And so, you know, somewhere there's talk about Paul being a people pleaser. 
In other letters, you'll find that people are saying, oh, we like Apollos' sermons or teachings. He speaks with such power and such eloquence. You know, Paul, he writes big, but he doesn't talk very big. That, that's kind of the impression you get when you read the letters. You know, uh, uh, he writes very big in, in the sense of like kind of confrontational, but in person he's not very, uh, uh, you know, confrontational. And so he, you know, he's addressing these issues. The biggest issue uh, that Paul has struggled with throughout his life in ministry is his legitimacy. Legitimacy, right? So, so, so maybe, maybe just say that once in your head. Or why don't we say it all together on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Legitimacy. Legitimacy, okay? The first three letters... Of, the, of this letter, first three words of this letter is Paul, an apostle, or Paul, a bondservant. Um, what you may or may not know is that Paul's uh, authenticity or legitimacy as an apostle has been questioned from day one. From day one. You guys remember there were 12 disciples, uh, Judas betrayed. Do you guys remember what the disciples did? Right? Basically, they got together and said, Man, Jesus handpicked Judas. And, and, and we now know Jesus is God. God handpicked Judas and Judas betrayed Jesus. Like, if Jesus can't get it right, so to say, right, was betrayed, what chance do we have? So what they did was they used this old sort of tradition where they cast lots. It's like picking straws. And the person with the short straw is the one who has a you know, go do the errand that nobody wants to do. Um, and so they end up choosing a guy by the name of uh, uh, Matthias, right? In the New Testament, uh, I think uh, uh, in Acts. Can you guys recall that? So they pick someone. We need someone who is here all the way from the beginning uh, uh, to take Judas' spot. And so they cast lot, you know, they, 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 they choose because no one wants to pray. No one wants to get it right, wrong. No one wants to be accountable. And so then they choose. And then you never hear of Matthias ever again. Nowhere in the New Testament do you, do you hear his name once again. Um, I actually think that, not, not think, but God obviously had someone that he was going to replace Judas with. It was, it was Paul. Paul was the 12th apostle. Paul was the one walking down the road to Damascus. Jesus came, intercepted him. Jesus himself called Paul out. That's what Paul is referring to when he says, I wasn't called by any church. I wasn't called by any network. I wasn't called by a denomination. I wasn't called by Peter or James, Jesus himself called me, right? And, and brought me into the church. Uh, because he was such a ferocious persecutor of the church, separating families, putting them in prison, you know, a, a lot of the church very early on did not believe that he was genuine. They thought it was a, a trick to get into the, infiltrate into the church and then to expose the church and then, you know, uh, capture the leaders. Um, it wasn't until uh, Bar uh, Barnabas came and then, you know, kind of went out on a limb, uh, built that sort of connection bridge, saw that his faith was genuine, and then brought him into the church. And so that's why we always say in the church, you know, be a Barnabas, right? There's always someone who comes to church who's on the fringes, who, who you know, came alone, doesn't know anyone, and it's hard for someone that doesn't know anyone to, you know, kind of push themselves into a community or a circle. And so... We need people in the church, we welcoming committee members, people like that, 
uh, out, you know, people who are outgoing or friendly need to be that Barnabas, need to be that person. You never know what newcomer is going to come and then plug in and then make a contribution and maybe even be a leader uh, in the church one day. Um, so Paul here is, is, is defending, he's defending his authority, his legitimacy. If you think about Jesus, uh, Jesus, when he came, uh, one of the biggest hurdles, one of the biggest obstacles and barriers for people accepting that he could be the Messiah is the fact that they already knew who he was, that he was uh, Joseph and Mary's son, that he was a carpenter. Didn't he come from Galilee? Isn't that that the kid that used to play with my kid down the street? You know, who, who does he think he is? And so uh, some of the attacks that came along to Jesus was the validity of his identity. Not, not just the fact that he claimed to be God, right? And, and only if you had that revelation and, and you saw the works that he did. And, you know, if you didn't know him and you saw him, no questions asked. How could, you know, like everything he says is scriptural, you know, has been prophesied about. But if you know him intimately or personally or have history with him, then you have a hard time accepting. You know, that's why when you get saved, one of the hardest peoples to bring to Christ is your own family members. Because they've known you, you know, our, our whole lives. They, they, they've seen us go through so many fads and phases, right? And so to them, it's like, is this just another fad? Is this another phase? But then on the opposite side, the beauty of it is, is over time and consistency, they can actually see the fruits of the transformation of our lives following Christ. And that in itself is a powerful, powerful testimony. Um, Jesus, one of the things that the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders did is not only did they say, how can this guy be God? But isn't this the guy who uh, uh, they questioned his uh, legitimacy even as a Jew? Like, isn't this the guy? We don't even know where his father is. You know, he's like, he's, he's born in, in like, you know, uh, uh, what is it, obscurity, you know, uh, uh, you know, some word maybe from the family had gotten out that Joseph wasn't the father. And so they, when things got, when people really started believing that he's God and Messiah, people really started going for the dirt. You know, like, is he even a legitimate child? He's not even a Jew. So um, Jesus if you think about it, I mean, I mean, think about this for a second. The 40 days that he's fasting and the devil comes to attack him. And I've said this many times, so if, if, you, if, you, know, if you come to EAP long enough, you're about to have heard it more than once or twice. You know, turn this stone into bread. Jesus is fasting. He's hungry. You know, jump off this high place. Angels regarding you will protect you. Uh, and then thirdly, lastly, ultimately worship me. And so people, surface level, face value, think it's just, oh, he's hungry, you know turn this into bread because he wants to satisfy, use his powers, you know, jump off again, once again, use his powers, you know, his authority, trust that God. It, it's actually, if you, if you look at the question, if you actually look at the sentence structures, what the devil is actually saying is, if you are the son of God, turn this bread into stone, or stone into bread. If you are the son of God, jump off this high place and woke God because you're, because you're the son of God. In other words, hey, are you really the son of God? Prove it. I don't believe you. Are you really like precious in God's sight? Really? I don't. I don't think you are. Like, does God really have a plan for your life? Why? Why would you? Why would you believe that? You know? Does God really care about you and your faith? That, that, that's what. That's that's what the devil is attacking Jesus's validity. He's attacking Jesus's identity, legitimacy. 
And so Paul's legitimacy identity is also being attacked. You're not a real apostle. You have no authority here. Who even called you? You're right? And so so Paul struggles with this, this legitimacy of identity. His credentials are being questioned. You know, and he has to say things like, you know, God called me. Right? So on the count of three, one, two, three, let's say God called me. Okay, one, two, three. God called me. Um, what are you struggling with today? Right? I don't I don't need to know specifically. I don't I don't even have to read your mind. Like what has been a struggle for, for you, each of us, my, myself included, let's say in the last month. What what has been you know uh 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 you know, a lot of things going on um, in my whole life. But like, what are some things that keep me up at night, right? What are some things that, um, does it have anything to do with your identity? Does it have anything to do, like ask yourself, does it have anything to do with self-worth? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a health issue, it's a work issue, it's a relationship issue, it's a, a, a church issue, it's a family issue, it's an in-laws issue, right? It's a marriage issue, it's a parenting issue, but peel the layers, you know, does it have, you know, uh, does it have anything to do with your sense of worth, your sense of identity, right? And chances are it does. Because I can tell you if, if the devil's game plan is to go straight at Jesus and try to make Jesus think you're not really that important. You're not really the Son of God. If you are, then prove it. Use your powers. You know, jump off this thing. You know, put God to the test. Um, and so chances are, like myself, you know, all of us, some of our deepest struggles are the things that, you know, cause strife in our lives the root issue for very honest is you know how it makes me feel about myself so I don't like how someone makes me feel about myself and so I take I take offense does that make sense when someone is angry I don't know if you figured this out I figured this out a long time ago when someone is upset really upset they're actually really hurt does that make sense it first starts with I'm, I'm hurt, and then, and then it turns into you know, uh, 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 anger or retribution. Does that make sense? But if I'm honest with myself, the only place that I can go uh, many times is, man, I'm so upset. Oh, man, I'm so hurt. God, help me with this hurt. I, I don't want the the seed of bitterness, and so. Um, I think that's a great reminder this morning. Um, you know, the church is, is, is something that's on its way, not arrived, you know, as we continue to grow. Paul is being called out, <laughs> and, then he's, and then he's calling people out. You know, and he basically says, if you're teaching anything in this community, in this church, you know, that's outside of what Jesus has told me, you know, curse you, basically, right? Like, like, like you know, like, be accursed, be separated. I say again. Um, just on that last point uh, how many times how many times has the devil 
made us question our validity. Right? How many times has the devil said to you, you're not worth it, or you're not, you're not equipped, or you're not good enough? Right? What a lie. What a lie from the pits of hell. Right? I mean, the devil's full-time job is to make you feel like you're not worth it. The Holy Spirit's full-time job is to make you feel like you are worth it. <laughs> right? God says you are worth it. God says you have value. God says you are precious. So what you need to hear on any given matter is from God. You need to hear from God on the matter. Full stop. Right? Um, Paul, in this letter, and then we'll wrap up, he's not pulling any punches. He's not, he's not trying to win favor with anyone in this particular community. You know, so like there's like a Solomon's Porch in Beijing. There's a Solomon's Porch in Shanghai. There's a SP in Singapore. So this is the early church. These are the very first churches that are planted in Ephesus, in, in Philippi, you know, the, the believers in Galatia. Before, they were churches before they even knew they were churches. Right? Just a, just a group of people. Paul would go appoint Timothy, appoint leaders, raise them up. Eventually they become pastors, leaders of the church. And then these communities would grow, second generation, third generation, and they would plant churches. And all throughout Europe, uh, the gospel and the kingdom of God would expand. Um, so here's a great question. Uh, how do we know? It's, it's quite harsh. Paul, Paul comes out sort of constantly. How do we know that they even responded well to this message? You know what I mean? What if there's people like, what? Who's this guy think he is, man? Like... I don't care who he says he. I don't care what, what he, like he has no authority here. He has no validity here. He can't tell us what to do. You know, God has spoken to Paul. Paul has conveyed the message. How do we know that the church in Galatia survived? You know, that they responded to this harsh rebuke or teaching. Right? Do you guys know? No? It's almost like, how would we know? It's only God would know, right? Well, my, my New Testament professor said, said this. As harsh as these words are, and as sharp a rebuke as Paul is giving to this particular group of people, short message, hey man, get your crap, you know, jump together. Like, you know, like, what are you guys doing? Uh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed how quickly you're falling away from the faith. <laughs> Um, as sharp as it is, um, my, my New Testament professor, Mary May Thompson, is what she says. She says, we take some consolation or some comfort in knowing that or believing that they actually did respond to it. How do we know? Because we have the letter today in our hands. Because if they didn't respond to it well, and they're like, this guy's bunch of baloney, they probably would have ripped up the letter or crumpled it up and thrown it away, at the very least, certainly wouldn't have shared it with someone. You know what I'm saying? Like if, let's say like we're like the leaders here, right? And there's like, let's say there's a couple hundred people in Galatia, let's just say, and Paul sent us this letter and we all read it and we're all like, dude, this is too harsh. Like, dude, this, who does this guy think he is? Yeah, let's not show it to anybody. And we kind of filed it away or buried it. It would never have made its way circulated through the church. So the fact that it made it into the canon and into the Bible by God's supreme ordination and, and, and you know, uh, supervision, providence, is evidence that maybe someone in the leadership read this and was convicted. You know, you know, 
like, like they took it to heart and then they did in fact share it and people did respond um, and so <clears throat> okay I'll, I'll wrap up with this um, if you're in church long enough if you're in church long enough I mean how many of you guys have been a believer for uh, less than two years okay nobody here how many of you have been a believer less than five years less than five years Okay, Lena. How many of you guys have been a believer less than 10 years? Less than 10 years or less? How many of you guys have been a believer for 15 years or longer? Okay, most, most everyone. Okay. If you've been in church long enough because of, you know, life, church life, you eventually will hear this phrase. You'll eventually hear it. You know, why don't we go back and forget all the church traditions and rules and why don't we go back to the you know first century church like in the book of acts let's get back to the roots let's get back to the basics have you heard that before yeah yeah right let's get away from the institution let's get away from the organization let's get away from all these structures can't we just get back to the original where we're just loving people and things are so simple and basic you know right you know what they're really saying when they're saying that you know, I, I think what they're saying, in my experience, in 25 plus years of ministry, and especially as I'm going to be gone in a few weeks, this, this is what people are saying. Let me interpret that for you. There's so much drama. There's so much relational strife, whether it's pastors, whether it's staff, whether it's house churches, whether it's sisters among sisters, whether it's brothers, whether it's families amongst families. Do you, you hear you guys hear what I'm saying? There's, when you get hundreds of people together, it's just inevitable. There's going to be clash. There's going to be, right? And so what they're saying is, let's, let's, let's go back to a place where none of that exists. Hey, let's go back to the first century church. Well, take a closer look at the Bible. And take a closer look at the letters. The reason why we have these letters are because there are problems in the church. And Paul and the leaders are actually addressing those problems. So, in the very start and impetus of the church, early church, in the book of Acts, they have the same problems. They have the same issues that we have today. Right? It's just, it's just, it's just family. It's brothers and sisters who love God, who, who love each other, and then the enemy trying to weave its way through and causing separation and, and division. Within Jesus' own core, there's a break in relationship. You guys see that? In a way that should be encouraging. Jesus didn't get it wrong. You guys hear me? Jesus didn't get it wrong. Jesus is like, oh man, I'm God and I made a mistake and Judas put me to the cross. I think there's a message in there. I think even in God and Jesus, you know, I absolutely believe that God, Jesus would have forgiven Judas, would have reinstated Judas, and Judas would have had, of all 12, probably the most powerful testimony and, and hundreds and thousands and, and you know, people would have come to Christ. He never got that opportunity never gave God that chance. Um, but if you take a look here, 
you know, that's, that's why the beauty of communion to me, Jesus knowing that he was going to be betrayed, Jesus knowing that everyone was going to abandon him, Jesus knowing that this early church, this precious baby, this, this literally an infant, you know, of a baby, of a church would be birthed. And the only thing, I can tell you the only reason why the church 2,000 years ago still exists today is because there's forgiveness and grace. The church cannot exist, cannot continue without forgiveness and grace. Uh, and, and if you want to know what the work of the Holy Spirit is, it's, it's leading us to forgive and to be gracious towards each other. Um, God knew, God knew uh, that there would be trials and tribulations. God knew that there would be obstacles. God knew that there would be things that would come against His church. His, his baby. And so he outpoured the Spirit. And, the, and only the Spirit can convict us in the areas where, you know, we need to ask ourselves, one, uh, you know, where, where, where is the real struggle? You know, okay, in any given situation, in any given situation, where is the real struggle? How is it affecting me? And then the question I asked earlier, does it have to do something with my identity? Right? And so if our identity is secure in Christ, what can anyone say? What can anyone do? Right? That could detour us. That could that could hinder, you know. And so um, yeah, let's bow our heads this morning. Um, can I make an invitation for us? Just to come back in any given matter, work, uh, family relationships, marriage. You know, maybe for you today, your your issues with parenting. Maybe it's a, a an in-law. Maybe it's a a brother or sister, like like your biological, like your sibling. Maybe maybe it's your house church leader. Maybe it's a member in your house church. Maybe it's a, it's a ministry leader. Maybe it's a church leader. You know, what, what is the source of any strife? And just do this spiritual exercise and ask the Lord, Lord, is my sense of worth and identity being, being attacked? And if so, then by who? Right? If so, then by who? And then invite the Lord and say, Lord, man, you only, only your voice, only, only you get to say who I am. Nobody else. Right? Not, not my, not my boss, not my director, not my industry, not my income, not my, not my parents. Not, not even my kids. No one gets to tell me like the, the value of the worth of who I am other than you, Lord. And you say it clearly and fully on the cross that I am worth it, that I am precious, that I am, that I'm awesome. You know, at least once a month when I'm struggling through something and going through a hard time and I really seek the Lord, at least once a month, 
I really go through a hard time. You know, ministry's tough. And I really get desperate for the Lord. And I really get on my knees and call Him out. And I really struggle with my abilities. I really struggle with my... You know what happens at least once a month? After I have that time with the Lord, you know what happens? I'll be, I'll be dead honest with you. After I, after I encounter the Lord, I walk away thinking, Man, God loves you. Sam, you are awesome. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Right? I'm a little shy in sharing that. But I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I go really low and I really question my ability as a leader. And then I really seek the Lord. And then when I walk away from my, I hear the Lord say, dude, you're awesome. You're, I love you. Like there's nothing I wouldn't do. You're, you're so cool, man. There's certain things you can do that nobody can do. And then I start believing what God, Jesus says to me. I said, yeah, you're right. Dude, you're awesome. And I go out there and I start loving on people. And I don't care what they said about me the week before or the month before. And I know they say stuff. And I, and I have this capacity. Like, dude, you're awesome. Like, good, God loves you. And like, you get up there and preach. And you know what I mean? You need some of that. You need to know today that, that God thinks so highly of you. That the cross says you are so worth it. And if, if anything says that otherwise, then what that tell, what you should be concerned about is that there is a, a voice in your life that's stronger than the cross. And that's not okay. And that, that's something you need to deal with. You need to figure that out. No one can figure that out for you. The cross should have the greatest amplification of meaning in your life. And Jesus says, you're worth it. And Jesus says, I died for you. And Jesus says, I give you a new life. If anything comes against that, it's coming against the cross. Listen, nothing can stand against the cross, right? And so you need to, I don't know where that is. I found, I found my niche. I, I know where I go. I found that place. And every time I go there, the Lord meets me there and he lifts me up. And then I walk away, man, I'm, I mean, dude, I'm like one of, okay, maybe I'm not his favorite, but I'm definitely one of his favorites. <laughs> And I hope all of you guys can go before the Lord and be like, okay, maybe I'm not like number one on this list, but I'm definitely in the top 20. You know, PCM's cool. I can't be that far behind him. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're not thinking anything less than that, something's wrong. If you're not thinking anything around that realm, that means something that the devil said has stuck. And it's interfering with what God actually said on the cross. That's not okay. Okay, so let's come before the Lord. Let's respond in worship and praise. I'm here to tell you this morning, God thinks you're awesome. God loves you. Man, he, he paid that full price. He conveyed it. The gospel, the message, the church. This is the message. God loves you. You're forgiven. You're awesome. Man, you have a new day, a new beginning, a new life. Don't let anything or anyone say otherwise. And if they do, don't believe it. Don't accept it. Don't eat from that fruit. Don't chew it, don't swallow it, don't let it digest, get a stomach pump, spit it out. It's not from God. It's literally poison. It's not from God. Eat from the tree of life. Don't eat from the tree of the world. And the tree of life gives us life, gives us life as Christ gave his life on the cross. Amen? So let's respond in a, in a song of worship, and then we'll go into a time of prayer.